Hey, 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 it's the One American Podcast. I'm so uh, glad and honored to have these great guests on the show today. Today, we're going to be talking about socialism in America and what they've been working on. So I'll let you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell me, uh, tell me about your new project. Hey, Chase. I'm uh, Jack Thomas Smith, and I am uh, the executive producer and director of Socialism in America. And uh, I'll send it over to Mandy. I'm Mandy Del Rio. I'm one of the executive producers on Socialism in America. And uh, so to tell you a little bit about the project. um, So basically what this documentary is, uh, we were contracted by Newsmax. um, And it was to, to kind of show the rise of socialism in America. Uh, And we wanted to not only show how it's rising here in America, but we also wanted to kind of put it into historical context. So what we did in this documentary was uh, we had uh, uh, three guests, uh, James Carafano, uh, Stephen Moore, who was a uh, economist for uh, President Trump, uh, and Jesse Jane Duff. Uh, They were kind of our historians, economists, uh, to kind of lay out the history of socialism, you know, going back uh, from the Industrial Revolution, uh, Karl Marx, uh, the the Russian revolutions in 1917, China, Cuba, Venezuela. Um, So we kind of give the whole historical perspective of how it rose in those countries uh, and the similarities of how it's rising here. Uh, And in addition to that, uh, we also have four guests, uh, one from the former Soviet Union, one from China, one from Cuba, one from Venezuela. And they share their personal stories of living under socialism slash communism. So we just wanted to be, you know, we wanted to be as historically factual as possible with this. but, you know, we also, you know, if the, the lefties out there want to start accusing us of right wing propaganda, uh, you know, it's fine. Try and discredit this. I stand by all the facts of our documentary, documentary the historical facts. But then we also wanted to have the, the guests who actually lived under it to bring their mm-hmm. personal experiences, because, you know, again, you want to attack us. By all means, why don't you sit down and talk to them? They actually lived under it. They're not, you know, American socialists, whatever that is. Sure. So I've noticed that um, in America, there seems to be an emphasis on sort of society as a whole and the collective and a lack of emphasis as there sort of traditionally has been on the individual and individual rights and what the individual can accomplish. Is this sort of a common thread throughout all these other nations and historically that you've looked at in terms of how socialism came to the forefront? Or is America unique in that we actually used to have a very um, heavy cultural emphasis and consensus on uh, the individual? I mean, socialism completely annihilates individualism. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as I, I, I think it is becoming where you're not allowed to be an individual. Um, that's what we're seeing with the cancel culture. Um, and, you know, when you look back at all the, the socialists and the communist countries, that's one thing they get rid of is, is your individuality. Um, they want you to be one. Everybody thinks the same. Everybody looks the same. Um, and that's we're seeing that from a certain fract- faction of our country that they're trying to completely eliminate, you know, different ideas of thought, 
Um, you know, they're rewriting history. Um, but it, basically your individuality, it doesn't exist under socialism. And when we're, we are seeing that with people, you know, you just, just go on Twitter and you have a different opinion than um, a certain side and um, they, they want to shut you down. They want to shout you down. Um, mm -hmm. So we're definitely seeing the parallels of, you know, the socialist <clears throat> countries that we definitely um, researched and talked to people from and hear what's happening here now. So how long um, how long did it take to put this project together? It actually came together pretty, uh, pretty quick. Um, God, what were the dates on it? I think it was uh, the end of March of this year. Uh, uh, we signed with Newsmax to do this. So, so essentially the way the whole process worked, um, th this was a case where um, I came up with the concept. Um, I pitched it to them and they actually greenlit it, which, which was awesome. Um, so, you know, they, they, you know, I, I wrote the treatment for it, sent it over to them. They approved it. Um, and then we jumped right in on it. Uh, uh, you know, Mandy found our, our four uh, guests from the, from the various uh, countries uh, and they, they're home runs. I mean, they they are they're amazing. Um, you know, and the stories, the personal stories that they shared. I mean, it's, you know, religious persecution, hunger, um, uh, censorship. It's. Uh, for one example, one example, um, and I, I don't, you know, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but our, our that's fine. Uh, this the yeah, show's for I, tangents. <laughs> good, good. Uh, then I'm not, uh, so our one guest, Helen Raleigh, she's from China. Uh, she said that as a child, um, you know, they would only allow her uh, three pounds of rice a month, uh, you know, to eat, and I, I, and you know, so it's 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 this whole it's this whole constant theme of control and, and, you know, you conform and censorship and state run media and, and all that. But anyway, I'll go back to the, to, to the, uh, to the original question. Um, so we started shooting in March um, and then we delivered this uh, sometime in July, I would say, uh, you know, we, we completed it in July, then it had to go through all the QCing and all that. Uh, and it premiered uh, uh, last Sunday night and la and and last night as well. Um, so the process. Congratulations. Was, yeah, thank you. It, it was about a three to four month process, which for a documentary like this, uh, where we're we're essentially doing two hundred years worth of history. Like about two hundred sixty, <laughs> yeah. including the industrial, industrial revolution. revolution hmm. You know, in in a forty three minute documentary. I mean, that kind of turnaround with with the interviews and with all the the historical footage that Mandy found. Uh, it, it was a huge project, and and we're we're very proud of it. That's awesome. So, why is it? Do you think that, given that? Basically, if you talk to anybody from a socialist country who's actually experienced what socialism is like, their response is overwhelmingly negative. But yet we still see pushes domestically for these policies that lead to these outcomes. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I don't even know. I, I think a, a lot of it is um, it, it, it's that old saying the those who don't know their history are are bound to repeat it. I know that's not the actual mm. saying. I totally massacred sure. that. But um, <laughs> okay. you know, I think that's part of it is that people either don't know or they forget or they think they're going to do it different. And we've heard that a lot. Everybody 
no one's done socialism correctly. No one's done communism correctly. I've heard that even. Mm. Um, (laughs) So everyone thinks they have the, the way of doing it, you know, where everybody's equal and but that, that, that's not realistic. And there's a reason it hasn't worked out is because it won't work out. Like that is not the system that it it's not made to work out. So. Yeah. And if you don't mind, if I can expand on that, I mean, I mean, the, uh, the, the people who have lived under it, who are against it. I mean, the, the answer is obvious. They actually lived under it. Right. right. <laughs> you know, they mm-hmm. actually lived under it and they don't ever want to live under it again. And the people here that are pushing for it, have never lived under it. So, you know, it's, and and it's amazing. And, and that's kind of, Chase, that's what we were trying to do with this documentary. And that's why we wanted to show the history of it, because it's so important to lay out the history, because apparently the people here who don't, uh, that do want it, they don't know the history, because if they did know mm-hmm. the history, they wouldn't want it. Uh, and Steve Moore actually says it in, in the documentary. He says, I want any anyone here who wants this to go live in Venezuela and they will come back here and kiss the ground when they come back. Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, and then we, you know, we 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 kind of take our shots at Bernie Sanders in this and AOC and Talib and the squad. And and, you know, we also don't hold back on Che Guevara either. Um, you know, it's amazing how so many people here, you know, because of one picture, oh. right? Yeah. One picture of Che Guevara, he's a rock star, right. okay? The guy was a homophobe, he was a racist, he was a murderer. Uh, our one guest from Cuba, he, you know, he said in the interview, which unfortunately it didn't make the final cut, but he said, you know, Che Guevara would just sit up on a wall and sit there and smoke cigars while they, you know, the firing squads just mowed people down. So, but you know, this guy's a rock star. He's, he's a hero to the left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing that's interesting about that particular story to me is that I can't imagine a situation in which any healthy, mentally healthy human being would do that. Right. So let's just, let's just take, for example, the, the most obvious instance of evil throughout history, which throughout the 20th century, right. Which is the, um, the Holocaust. Right. And there were the Nuremberg trials. And a lot of those guys were uh, convicted of the four crimes and prosecuted accordingly. And can you imagine if general Patton would have sat on a wall and smoked a cigar and watched the firing squads? I mean, that's just totally inappropriate, right? So even if Che Guevara was totally just in these prosecutions, which I'm not saying that he was by any means, but even if these people really needed to be shot by firing squad, the fact that he would just sit there and watch and smoke (laughs) a cigar is really sick. (laughs) <laughs> it's sick and people wearing them on t-shirts and like yeah yeah you know, rage yeah, against yeah. it is a great picture <laughs> yeah i mean oh and, oh and don't forget motorcycle diaries okay oh, you know the beautiful the beautiful art house film Which about is, che guevara it was okay? a beautiful film right, it right. was as a film a beautiful film but imagine if they uh-huh. did that about Hitler. I mean, imagine, I mean, he's, right. he's, a, he's a horrible human being, yet they did this artistic, gorgeous film about, you know, he was so poetic and so deep and helped the lepers and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But it's like, guys, uh, let's, let's come back to earth now, you know, let's come back mm-hmm. to reality. Mm-hmm. Um, well, here's an idea for a film. Okay. So it's about a young man who just came back from world war one and he's going around the countryside painting 
His whole dream oh in life now is to become a painter, and we'll call it the countryside painter. Okay, I mean it's Hitler, right. guys. It's, yeah, it's like it's yeah. this is how ridiculous it, these this people is. are. Sick in the head. It's um, it's it's mental yeah. illness. It's they don't know their history, and mm. uh, you know. So on on our end, we can't help their mental illness, but. By doing this documentary, we can maybe help them understand history a little bit. So did you did you notice a common thread in terms of how socialism manifests in that you know, the the intentions are laid out in Brandon in the beginning is very noble, right? So is, is, there, is there a motif of, yeah. hey, we're going to help the poor. There's been a yeah. tremendous amount of corruption. Yeah. You know, the, the people have been stolen from by the establishment as it is. And so in order to, you know, uh, uh, attain justice, we have to overthrow the establishment and, and just sort of create like a new order. Is that That's sort of how it starts, right? And everybody kind of wants to get on board with overthrowing the current form of corruption. But if mm-hmm. it's just going to be replaced by another form of corruption that's even worse than the other place removed. Exactly. It's, it's so true. You know, it's funny. My, my mother taught me a very valuable lesson when I was a little kid about communism. Um, Mm. She just showed my brother and I the cartoon of animal farm and, Mm. um, and she kind of set it up like, here's what's going to happen in the the movie. And she said, you know, on paper, communism sounds like a good idea on paper everybody's equal everybody have you know should be treated like equals and everybody should be able to you know just live and and walk the earth you know and and be happy and she said well let me let me just you guys got to watch this movie and um the problem with this is there will always be um the pig named napoleon you know who basically (laughs) always wants the power and will always rewrite the rules and um you know, it just doesn't work. And I, I I remember that lesson from when I was probably about six when she showed us that movie. Um, mm-hmm. But it's always the same. It is always the same same theme of, and that's how they manipulate people. You know, they want everybody, every, how great does that sound that we all, you know, imagine, you know, <laughs> right, imagine, right. Um, you know, there's no no borders and, yeah. and no money and we just trade and we live this happy life. Well, you know, there's something to be said about, about people being weak, you know, when they're all on the bottom, everybody is literally on the bottom and there's always going to be somebody on top. Um, and, and we've just seen that there's an abuse of power every single time. It just doesn't work. There's always going to be greed and it's, and it's awful, but it's the truth. There's always going to be people abusing power. So when you, when you looked into Karl Marx, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about Karl Marx, and and I'm not as educated on him as I as I ought to be. I've read uh, Capital, and I've read the Communist Manifesto, but it seems to me that we have a situation where we have a disgruntled, brilliant mind who wrote about the ails of the time and offered a very, very hypothetical solution, right? Which right. he never really saw play out himself. And people That's always right. go back to people always go back to Marx, to Marx, to Marx. And, and I don't I don't think that anybody would really make the claim that Marx was an evil person. It seems right. like what he wrote right. and his ideas were used as a weapon by evil people to attain massive amounts of power. So what are your thoughts on Karl Marx himself and, and his actual mm-hmm. criticisms on the contemporary society at the time? Because there were issues of exploitation and labor at the time, right? And, sure. and it seems like communism is just an overcorrection, right? Of course, yeah. of course. And is, isn't that the way it goes with everything? I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, you could say the, the Koran, you know, the, the radical mm. Islamic terrorists, how, you know, mm. they 
they they take this this passage and they completely twist it around to suit their psychotic vision of how the world should be. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't blame Karl Marx for everything that happened in the 20th century. It's basically people's interpretation and, and how they use this to suit their own needs. Um, mm. You know, and, and you look at Karl Marx, uh, you know, he basically, uh, you know, he, he just, he wrote this book. I mean, that's, that's pretty much all he did. Um, yeah, you know, and he was a finance guy, yeah, and it was Frederick a, Engels. Engels. <laughs> so I don't know how Karl Marx got all the credit for Marxism when Frederick Engels was kind of like backing him financially. Um, and I, to me, it just seemed like, you know, Karl Marx didn't want to work very hard from, right. from what we, what we've, you know, what I've learned, what we've learned. And well, he was, um, a, he was a raging alcoholic. That's pretty well documented. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not, that, that's, that's it. And, um, you know, like I said, Frederick Engels was kind of, the money behind him and um it's Mm. definitely easy when you're spending other people's money to say how unfair it is to work so hard you know and and not get your dues um but also um you know i i think i think you're right in that he had the idea that he was more about the workers um Mm -hmm. but then you know he laid the groundwork for you know somebody saying well Marx, his way isn't isn't enough. Um, you know, the people leaving it up to the idiotic people and the workers, that's that's not doing anything. That's not doing it right. Um, and then steps in, you know, Lenin, who basically, right. uh, you know, said, no, we need to, you know, the people we can't rely on to spread the message. We have to actually hire revolutionaries. We have to have professional mm-hmm. revolutionaries going out there. And then the message is like, well, who are you doing this for? Are you doing this for the working people or are you are you doing it for yourself right. you know um mm. the upper crust so and the educated so i agree with you that i'm not sure i'm not sure if marx's i think his ideas were a little bit more pure but he still was kind of a mooch right and isn't, <laughs> isn't that isn't that ironic that he was getting paid to write this it's like, right, right. But you guys got paid to do your documentary, so yeah, I'm just teasing. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right, which isn't it great? God bless America. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm just teasing. But uh, um, the, the point, another point that I, I want to make, too, is that it seems to me that one of the beauties of America and why it's worked at least up, in, up until this point, as well as it has, is that we sort of, though we have a centralized government, we sort of have like a, a very decentralized principle. And what I mean is, if if the government's emphasis is on protecting freedoms rather than managing means of production, then really there's no one that says how things should be done. There's just liberty within a system and then individuals create businesses and things change sort of in an unpredictable and spontaneous productive way. But then when you have like a hyper socialist or a hyper communist system, it requires a lot of top down management. And so the success of that system is hyper dependent on whoever is running it. Right. So you have a very different China when Mao is running it between 58 and 62, as you do today, right. When it's president Xi. And so one of the beauties of America, America, as it was designed, is the founders knew that there were going to be corrupt or foolish people running the helm throughout history at some point as it played out. And the system was designed to withstand that, right? It's sort of like McDonald's. You go, you get a Big Mac anywhere as bad as it tastes. It tastes the same at every at every McDonald's you go to, right? Because the system is p- 
pure. And so, yeah. so um, uh, is that something that you sort of saw with this sort of, um, as you were putting together this documentary, is that this top-down management was really dependent on who, how it played out was really dependent on who was running it? I mean, yes. The, the, uh -huh. the problem was, though, was that in the 20th century, these guys were all the same, you know, I, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, even though they did it differently, it, it would, the end result was still the same. Does that make sense? It's, it's, you know, you look at Mao, you look at Stalin, you look at Castro, you know, and then, you know, Chavez, you know, in, in Venezuela, I mean, obviously he was nowhere near as bad as those guys. Um, right. But, you know, it, it's, so it's kind of like yes, yes, and no. It was like they were all bad, but they were bad in different ways. If if that makes sense. Well, they're all trying to mm -hmm. do it differently too. I think. I think right. they were all. It, it was kind of a. Everyone influenced somebody else, and they, they said, "Well, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way mm -hmm. that works." And um, you know, it's funny that you brought up our founding fathers because every day I'm like. Thank, Thank God, God <laughs> I know. we had that protection in our country. And, and we learned that from the American Revolutionary War. Um, you know, that's why, you know, we can't have soldiers come and invade our homes, you know. And um, right. that's no why, quarter. I mean, so many of our, the you know, the Bill of Rights was written because we learned from, um, you know, the Revolutionary War. So. Yeah, how how smart were those guys, right? Oh, oh my god, they were smart. They were smart, but the, the funny thing is, is if, if if you don't get something absolutely perfect, even a small weakness <laughs> plays out in a big way down oh, the yeah. road, right? It's like just being a little bit off at the tee, right? And by the time the ball gets to the green, it's way off. And so yeah. I hope that I hope that there aren't too many vulnerabilities in the system that they set in place for us to, you know, correct some of these issues that we're facing. And that kind of brings me into the next thing I wanted to talk about was, sure. okay, so we've kind of talked about socialism versus capitalism or freedom versus collectivism. And how, how are you seeing socialism manifest in the United States or how has it been manifesting in the United States, say since the industrial revolution or 1913 or FDR, or whatever you want to, whichever one you want to pick sort of different people argue different starting points. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, first of all, you have all the social programs and, mm -hmm. you know, I know with with the New Deal, you know, obviously, you know, you, you look at the, the Great Depression, um, you know, things happen for a reason, you know, and, and it's, it's easy for us living now where you look back at that time period and you say, you know, oh, they should have never started this. But you know what? Mm -hmm. If you were one of those guys that was living in Tent City, you know, uh, well, you yeah. would have wanted the government to step in and help. Even before that, sure. Eugene Debs, um, one of the earliest, probably what was he the was he the first socialist in this I, country that that we that we know of? Probably it? Eugene Debs, yeah. and I think you know with the with the need of unions and protecting people's working rights and making sure children weren't working in factories and getting their you know ears you know cut off or you know frozen off like in you know the what was it the jungle um but mm. it, i mean that really happened it wasn't just in a book but my point right. is i think i think that um I, again i think some of these people were doing it for the right reasons to protect you know the working class um, mm -hmm. because it was, it was bad here for people, uh, you know, mm -hmm. during the industrial revolution. And, um, sure. so I think, you know, w with the rise of, of somebody like Eugene Debs, you know, just wanting to like, you know, be there for the, for the workers and the working class, but <clears throat> it's, again, it's just, it's, it's, uh, you know, the fine line between protection and corruption, 
which you know. Mm -hmm. And it's also the it's also the different levels too. It's you know like again like with FDR, it was you know it was a bad time. I mean that was one of those where you know you, desperate times call for desperate measures type thing. Yeah, people right. needed help, but then you, you you flash forward to the Great Society of Lyndon Johnson. That's a whole different animal. And to mm -hmm. me, and we cover that in Socialism in America that. Really, if if you really see what's going on in this country right now, a lot of its roots are back to the 1960s. And it has mm -hmm. to do, you know, you have the great society, you have, you know, the, the radicals on the left, the, the protesters that essentially infiltrated the media and the education system. And, you know, and here we are decades later where so many people have been influenced by these radicals from the 1960s, you know, it's, it's, they play the long game, man. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. They're looking at it. Like, I mean, you see it, you, you see it with the open border, you see it with, with the indoctrination in our schools. It's, you know, they're looking at it like, all right, we might not have that vote right this second, but 20 years down the road, we'll get that vote 40 years down the road. Um, mm. And that's kind of how socialism slash communism works. It's always the long game. And it creeps from within yep. as well. You mm. know, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing things happen like the mandates in, in California and uh, what's happening. Right. Well, California in general is just like a socialist, communist utopia in a weird way. It's, it's so bad. And I'm from there. So it really pains me to sure. say I that. I lived there for three years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, did you? What part? Where were you? I lived in Orange County, Laguna Niguel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was up in Northern California, the Bay Area. Um, Beautiful. Uh, I know, isn't it? What a shame what's happening there. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you could Just imagine how pretty California is and the opposite is how good the politics are. Exactly. <laughs> I mean... It's I, a great way to put it. I haven't been back for 10 years. When I was... Just 10... In 10 years, that place... I. I my family out there is like, you won't recognize it. It's not the same. I know. It's um, a shame. It's horrible. I mean, and he, think about how twisted this is. So criminals got a pay raise, pretty much. They they were able to to the steal politicians. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I know. Oh my god, I know. Well, no, I mean, I mean, like real, like I mean, well, they're criminals too. But like, people got basically they were able to steal up to four hundred dollars without it being right. a crime. Right. They right. just got a pay raise to nine fifty. And and no one's really enforcing it. We've all seen the video. We've all, you know, read the, you know, read the stories about how, you know, you can just, just, it's a free for all, but they're mandating this vaccine. That's not even no one. Oh my gosh. They're mandating that for children. Sure. So basically yeah. forcing a vaccine, but criminals got to pay raise. So that's just one mm -hmm. example of how bad California is. But then you're also seeing things like um, socialism creeps in through, oh, I don't know, like the COVID bill, you know, right. like where, where they're, you know, it's supposed to be about helping Americans through a global pandemic, which is, which is really bad. Like, I mean, we were, we were hit with a serious, serious disease. Um, right. Right. But then, and, and people were out of work and, and then you're seeing, you know, a COVID bill and somehow there's there's money allotted for I think transgender studies. What was it, in Pakistan? Yes, in Pakistan. Yeah, only twenty percent of it actually goes to COVID related stuff. The other eighty yeah. percent is just blowing. Yeah. So, yeah. What is that? That yeah. to me is how it creeps in. That's like so obvious. Right. Well, one of the things that's really concerning to me about 
um, how socialism seems to have played out historically. And you, by all means, are both more expert on this than I am. This is just sort of my layman armchair assessment, is that the more desperate a people are, the easier it is to implement these policies. Yes. And it seems to me that in the United States, there is incentive for socialists to catalyze the desperation of a people in order to um, manifest the policies, right? So the poorer people become, the greater the wealth gap between the rich and the poor, the more we inflate the dollar, for example, through these programs, it's sort of like a downward spiral because the programs create the problems the programs are branded as solving. So the more we create these programs, the bigger the problem gets, the easier it gets to make more programs, right? And so sure. have you seen that as something that's sort of played out too? Like, is it is it is it much easier in, in desperate societies to sort of change the system to a socialist paradigm? Oh, of, of course, of course. And But here's the thing, real, real quick point, hmm. poor here is not poor, you know, somewhere. Right. Venezuela. I mean, right, like right. Venezuela and that, or North Korea. Okay, I mean, like, like that's sure. something that we have to really stress. Okay, you right. know, or here you can still get free housing. You know, you can get free phones. You can, you know, you you have a heated home. It's you right. know, you right. have food, the ability to get right. you know a, a food through the government, that type of thing. So, so poor here is not poor anywhere. You know, anywhere else. Um, right. But yes, your your point is spot on. They take full advantage of bad situations. That's what Castro did in Cuba. So you had the Batista regime, which was horrible. I mean, the guy was basically a dictator. So Castro mm -hmm. came in with all the false promises that, you know, we're going to become this, this free elections, this wonderful society. He was able to get people to rally behind him. So, you know, he takes over from Batista First thing he does is no, there's no elections. <laughs> I mean, and that's right. that's the stuff that they do. You know, they rewrite constitutions. It's all false promises. And mm -hmm. that's how they mm -hmm. rally people behind them and and get to power. Now, with that being said, I truly feel sorry for the people of the 20th century, you know, especially in the Soviet Union, where they had no idea what this new concept was. OK, I feel right. bad for those people. But present day, we have 100 years of history to show what this leads to and what happens. Mm -hmm. And that's where I get angry and that's where I get frustrated, because there is over 100 years of history to show false promises, what happens when they come into power, you trade one dictator for another. Um, and, and again, going back to my original point about how poor here is not poor in North Korea. Sure. So a lot of these problems are embellished. A lot of these are mm. exaggerated mm. and it's all this, oh, it's horrible, 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 because it's a way for these leaders to manipulate people, to brainwash people, divide the country as a whole in order for them to, to get into power. Sure. Well, and we see a little bit of that, and I don't want to get too controversial, but we see a little bit of that with the COVID stuff, right? Where you see constant right. reporting on how there's, there's you know, the, the capacity in the hospitals is an issue. And yeah. they make it sound like it's because everybody's sick, but maybe it's because a lot of the nurses quit because they were mandated to get vaccinated and they didn't want to. Right. So right. how are we supposed to know what the real cause of the problem is? And so they create this fear because they're not specific or they manipulate statistics in order yeah. to sort of um, plug a narrative. They create this fear and then the people respond based on emotion rather than reason. Yep. hundred percent. And that's a way to control people. It's divide, divide and conquer. Yeah. And, and there, sure. you know, I think it, it's, it's, 
beyond me how Americans would rather blame other Americans for not getting a vaccine instead of where it came from, the virus came from. So, and I don't want to get too exactly. Yeah. If you don't want to, but um, I just, I find that that's such an obvious, an obvious tactic. Yeah, it came from China. You know, I mean, it, right. it came from China, but somehow this became President Trump. Well, it's Trump's a way to pit people you know? against each other, though, because now sure. it's like, you know, you're dying. You know, your your grandma's dying because she got the vaccine, and so and so. You know, the 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 anti-vaxxers, which I literally haven't met one person who's really anti-vax who doesn't want to mm. take the. You know, it, anti-vax is totally different, but um, sure. You know, uh, you know they, they're blaming. They're saying you're dying because they don't want to get the vaccine, and and it's making people mad, and it's making people lash out at people that don't trust the vaccine. You know, and that's just that's a that's an obvious tactic of dividing people. So, so you know, I, a lot of people talk about Hitler as being on the right, but at the same token, you know, the party was the National Socialist Party. Right, and right, right, right. So, so my question for you is, as you were doing your research for this documentary, regardless of whether it actually got into the final product, yeah. um, what what did you learn about Hitler and sort of the left-right spectrum? And, and why was he so antagonistic toward communists? Because he was explicitly against the Communist Party of Germany. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, you don't have to hate one or the other. I mean, you know, he, sure. he hated capitalism and he hated communism. I mean, mm-hmm. Hitler was a nut. I mean, he let's just he, he was nuts. Look I mean, at his mustache and his hair. <laughs> oh I mean, God. so unfortunately, it didn't make it, um, you know, because it, when if we would have dove into World War Two, I mean, it would have been a three hour doc. Yeah. It, it could have been a three week doc, you know, I mean, right. when you start diving into all the aspects of that. Um, but, yeah, he was he was a socialist. I mean, that's that's what they were. I mean, you know, he only believed in only allowed capitalism because he needed it in order to fund the war machine. OK, mm-hmm. so but again, he was against communism. He was against cap- capitalism. The guy was just a nut. You know, I, he was. Yeah. I mean, the guy was nuts. And this this whole thing with with claiming that he's a right winger and everything. I, um, I've seen the parallels of, of sorry, leftists, honestly, in that. Um, sure. you know, fascism. It's funny because they'll throw a Google, you know, when you say, you know, this silence in the opposition is 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 a fascist that's that's what fascists do they sure. silence the opposition sure. um absolutely i've had people throw up a google explanation oh no this is fascism and it's a right-wing authoritarian you know belief system and it's like how is that right wing when you're doing the same thing i mean you're disrupting people's mm. freedom of speech you know you mm. want to get rid of all of religion you don't you know you want to you want to crush people who are you know claim to be you know who, who are religious, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen it. We've all seen it. Uh, I, the parallels between the way that leftists act is to me the same way the fascists acted, you know, it's right. like, how, how is it that, you know, I think, I think both sides are, I think the right is kind of more onto the left. I think in the beginning, like when, during the Trump um, rallies, you know, when Trump was running against Hillary and Bernie and, um, you know, we were seeing a lot of a lot of the Bernie Brown shirts is what right, we all called right. them um, disrupting Trump rallies. And, and we, people weren't really getting it at first. I don't think like, wow, you know, right. this is this is bad. But then 
and the right was getting privy to it and we were getting more on guard and um you know i i don't really advocate i don't advocate silencing no. anyone's freedom of speech or rallies sure. or, I, I just you're an american you got a right to say what, what you want to say but so do right. i and that's right. that's the problem they're not you know they're not respecting what and I think it depends on what you mean by right wing, right? So a lot of people think like right wing is just like inherently traditionalist, right? So, okay, in that sense, I guess you could say Hitler was sort of right wing because he was all about traditional German values and traditional German culture. That was something that he okay. sort of used in order to gain his momentum. But if you're thinking, if you're talking like right wing in like the American sense of right wing, which is just sort of like a bill of rights, general sense of patriotism, pro-capitalist, pro-small business right wing. That's a completely different thing. So I think that we often confuse what like European right wing is versus or, or what 20th, mid 20th century right wing is versus what right. contemporary right wing is. Just so, right. so just because you're a Republican doesn't mean that you're closer to Hitler than you are farther <laughs> from him. Right. It, it doesn't. Yeah. That's, just, that's just a really oversimplification. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, but again, this is all about rewriting history now. And that's right. And, you know, and this comes back to our documentary and, and you know, the, the whole point of what we're talking about is what what comes with this with with leftism, communism, socialism, whatever you want to call it. It's always revisionist history. OK, mm -hmm. um, the one that I love is, you know, the Republicans are racist. The Republican Party, they're the party of racism, historical racism. And it's like, OK, right. well, the Southern Democrats were the slave owners. OK, sure. Southern Democrats created the KKK, Jim Crow. OK, um, and then they always talk party shift, party shift. OK, well, when did all these party shifts right. happen? Because Woodrow Wilson was the one who implemented segregation in federal buildings. And that was, you know, 1916, 1917, approximately. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. he screamed birth of a nation at the White House. He was an open racist, okay? Mm -hmm. right. Then, you know, you, you keep going forward with Franklin Roosevelt with Japanese internment camps. That was pretty racist, okay? Um, sure. You know, keep moving forward. Um, and then you had Bill Clinton signing the Defense of Marriage Act, which, you know, pro prohibited same-sex marriages. So, again, we're all homophobes, okay? Everyone on right. the right is homophobes. Right. So, and now our current president, he wrote the crime bill, okay? Which we all know what, mm -hmm. the, what the impact was of that on, on the African-American community. So my point is, is that how did they somehow shift this that the Republican Party is the party of historical racism and the Democrats aren't? They're the freedom fighters. And, and they're the right. ones that, you know, that that, you know, they they were always about civil rights and, and you right. know, individual uh, uh, liberty and all that. And I, I just it just boggles my mind. And, and then I'll go actually one one more point on that is that, you know, let's say that is true, that there were these party shifts and all that. So, so that, you know, that slave owner back in, you know, the 1800, he shifted and became a Republican as they like to claim. So he's still alive and voting, you know, the, the racist right. cop in the 1960s, who was a Southern Democrat became a Republican. He saw, you know, 50 year old sheriff in a small town in, in uh, Alabama. He's still alive. Right. And it's just it's all about revisionist history and it's always about what serves the agenda mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's really interesting so what is the solution given that there's not really anywhere to run that's the million dollar question um i mean the the solution on that is god we gotta 
we we have to teach our kids. I mean, that's that's honestly what the solution is, is, you know, everything that I just said to you, those are facts. I mean, those are historical mm-hmm. facts, what I just said. But now I'll be called a racist for saying that. OK, um, and apparently I don't understand party shifts and all that. So, you know, I just laid it out to you and I'll challenge anyone on that. Sure. Um, but it's we have to teach our children our true history. And and sometimes it's not pretty, you know, I mean, yeah, slavery was horrible. It was wrong. Jim Crow was horrible. Okay. Uh, Japanese internment camps were horrible. I mean, these, uh, no country is perfect, but are we the best country in the world? Yeah. Because you know why? If there is something that's wrong, we deal with it. We try to correct it and we try to give everyone you know, uh, what, 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 what did, what did Steve Moore kept saying? You know, we're not about, our country is not about equal outcome. It's equal opportunity. And that's right. what makes our country amazing. Yeah. So to answer your question, yeah, it's up to us. I mean, you know, that's the whole point of a documentary like socialism in, in America. It's laying out the historical a perspective of what happened with with socialism, how it infiltrates these countries with false promises, and you know oh, we're going to replace this guy and everything's going to be better. Um, it also gives the personal perspective of people that lived under it. That's the best thing we can do. I mean, we we've got to fight this propaganda that's going on in the colleges and in the public school systems. And I, I guess my my question in general to to the people like someone like Bernie Sanders or people that want to indoctrinate our youth, what is mm-hmm. the end game? What what mm-hmm. is your end game here? If socialism slash communism comes to this country, is that really what you want? Is that really the society that you want? And you know when. It, and, and, you know, Chase, it's funny, especially like in the movie business, you see so many people in Hollywood that, oh, I'm for Bernie, I'm for socialism. If that truly happens, mm-hmm. the entertainment industry is going to shut down because if all well, of the state sponsored. Right. If, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, there were so right. many. It's great like the movies. lives of others, like great movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you remember that movie? Great, great movies that came out of the Soviet Union, you know. But my, right. my point is, is that, you know, what drives Hollywood is is capitalism it's investment you have hedge funds financing these movies and if all this money is getting gobbled up by the government well it's also do you want the government to tell you how to make a movie sure because i mean I don't. which they kind of already do because the award ceremony has gotten so I mean, virtue signally right totally right, spot on with right. that now there's a checklist basically to make a tv show on netflix on you know right right what percentage of your cast or crew is ex-minority or right right, right. it's well imagine i I mean is that what really people want is that what people want i mean you know are you i heard that they're eliminating blind auditions from like the new york symphony or something did you hear that that i don't know yeah but so apparently up up until now they've done blind auditions so they just listen and whoever sounds the best gets the job they can't even tell that they're white or black or asian or whatever and they're they're trying to eliminate that so i hear this is just a rumor that i've heard trying to eliminate that in order to make sure that there's equity of outcome in terms of racial uh, representation how about just you're gonna lose so many so many people doing this you're gonna just you know, miss out on so many talents. And and, and I don't think, and I want to be clear, nobody's saying that we shouldn't find ways to improve 
the opportunities for minority communities, right? Wow. Nobody's saying that minorities are never going to be as good at the violin as white people. Nobody's actually making wow. these explicitly racist claims. Nobody really believes that. I mean, there's a, there's a small group of people that believe that, but nobody listens to those guys. Yeah. They're just jerks, okay? But well, but and it's, so we're not saying that we shouldn't figure out ways to fix the public school system or you know give give families resources in order to be able to spend more time with their kids or whatever to prevent crime. Nobody is against any of these types of programs. I think mm-hmm. the issue is when we do this sort of affirmative action and then you know you get on an airplane and there's like a minority female pilot and you wonder is that person the pilot because they're awesome at being a pilot or are they just are they flying this plane because you know the, there needed to be a quota met right yes and, and, and yeah. so it's no, no, scary it's actually more racist yeah it's actually more racist you're you're treating people like they can't do anything on their own merit right. so you're supposed right. to just be color and not talent or skill I mean, you you want they want they want me to see a person as just their skin color first, and and treat them mm-hmm. like they're like they're lower than me. So I got to give them an opportunity. Who who the heck am I to do that? You know who? Why would you know? I don't I don't understand these these liberals and and especially you know the I I just don't. I'm sorry, but white liberals to me that's pretty racist. If you're if you think mm-hmm. that you know these people need need your you know your touch you know minorities need you to to lift them up that's 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 not right that and is the racism people. yeah that is so, I, so I'll, I'll tell you this real quick our editor sure take on your time. socialism in America Carl George he's African American I hired him because he's good that's simple right. I mean, I don't care. He, I'm not going to see people for just their skin color, yeah. and I don't care. Yeah. He's good. Good editor. That, that's people. it. That's it. I, I couldn't care mm-hmm. less what his race, I, religion, I don't care. Just mm-hmm. good. Why Why is that right. so hard to do? I mean, that's that's all we have to do is just judge people. Look, I, I, I live by Martin Luther King, you know, judge a man by the content of his character and not the color of his skin. That's how I live my life. Exactly. Yep. Yep, straight from the speech. So, where can people find your documentary? I know it's airing this week. I'd love, I want to hear dates and times. So, where can they find it after it airs to restream? Go ahead, you can make that. Okay, so, um, well, uh, it's airing again tomorrow, uh, Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. Uh, it's and October then, 5th at 5 a.m. Okay. Yeah, October 5th. Um, and then it's airing again Friday, October 8th, um, again at 5 a.m. So, DVRs can be set. I know that's early. Um, and that's 5 a.m. Eastern, by the way. Um, okay. And then we're hoping after that, a lot of times they do show um, our documentaries like randomly throughout like the month. So, sure. um, you know, Newsmax.com would be a great place to check that out um, and, and see the schedule and see when it's going to air. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for both coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm excited to watch your documentary and uh, keep up the great work that you guys are doing. And let me know if there's anything that I can do to be helpful. Thanks, thank you Chase. so much. Appreciate Thanks for having it. us. This was great.